last night she posted an Instagram story of the Taylor Swift anti-hero music video. And she says she watches it every single night. Sarah Dessen is a Taylor Swift fan. Confirmed. Hashtag confirmed. Welcome back, everyone, to Hate Spinnerbait, the podcast where we hate spinnerbait, but we love dancing to disco. Yes, I love that. That was good. Hells to be, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, every week, we alternate, obviously, coming up with our tagline, and I always feel a lot of pressure when it's my turn. I mean, I I have fun coming up with things, but I'm always like, ooh, what is it going to be this week? So anyways, hi, I'm Bethany after a long preamble. It's Bethany and me. Uh, joined as always with Michael Ann. How are you doing on this wonderful, we are recording on a Saturday, everyone, spoiler alert. How are you doing on this wonderful Saturday evening? I am good. I spent the day. My mother and my father met my mother-in-law for the first time today. It went very well. They have a lot of shared interests, including me and Andrew. <laughs> That's <laughs> a really important one to have. Yeah, I'm really into that. I'm into the fact that they love their children and their future like child-in-law. Mm-hmm. They got to make fun of us for being so nauseating and cute we are nauseating. That's true. Uh, this is a fun fact for everyone before we make Michael Ann recap for us, as we always like to do when we started a novel. My husband, Mike, you've heard a lot about him and you've heard him sneeze very loudly on this <laughs> podcast before, um, came up with, oh my God, what is that called? Like the couple name. Like there's a term for it, but I can't think of it because I'm not smart enough right now. But he basically coins Michael Ann and Andrew's like a ship name, I guess, for lack of a better term. They're like Brangelina name. Um, and he, it was, and this is also the most like me and Michael Ann thing that happened at Epcot. It was at Disney World. Because again, <laughs> hashtag Disney adults. And he coined uh, Michael Andrew forever or Michael Andrew, and, which is perfect. And to this day, uh, sometimes like, it's funny when I see Michael and like people tag things like Michael Andrew forever. And I'm like, heck yeah, I was there the day that that name was born. So that day, just so everyone is aware was like a legendary, oh, absolutely so legendary. insane day. Um, wow. So many things happened on that day. <laughs> We actually, we, in a, a group chat that Michael Ann and I have, often, like, commemorate that day. Like, the anniversary will approach, and Michael Ann will text and be like, everyone, it's the anniversary of this. And we're like, oh, that day. Uh, yeah, that day wow. was, a, was a real day. I wish y'all could 
none of like the juice that we have, like none of the tea that we have to spill would probably be that interesting to all of you because you don't know a lot of the like players involved. But let me just tell you, there was tea. <laughs> 30, it was like 30 servers and bussers and bartenders from the restaurant we worked at yeah. all getting drunk at Epcot together. I we mean... never did that again. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> But without further ado, because we have some juicy chapters to get into, and also hopefully a serving rant for Michael Ann, as promised from last week's oh, episode. Yeah. So without further ado, Michael Ann, can you recap where we've made it to so far? Absolutely. So our main character, Nicole, aka Coley Sparks, has a very famous fitness mom. Um, and with that comes a lot of internalized fat phobia and uh, very unhealthy eating patterns. She moves in with her eccentric, what is like the right term? Fat? Fat, I think is the right term. Um, eccentric uh, fat aunt who is living in Colby, North Carolina for the summer because her mom, Kiki, is out in Europe and I guess she doesn't bring her daughter, which is strange. She has started working. So Collie's kind of doesn't have any friends. She moved around a lot. So she's starting to make some friends with a couple girls that she works with at a restaurant, Last Chance. And she met a boy as well. His name is Norman. We uh, uh, both thought that he was old, but apparently he's <laughs> her age. <laughs> yeah, accurate. Mm -hmm. And where we left her was basically um, her first couple days at Last Chance, I think. Yeah. She started working at the old last chance, making $50. 50 whole dollars. <laughs> 50 whole dollars. Oh boy. Still not over that one. That is also, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and second. I believe that, yeah, uh, again, as we mentioned the other week on the podcast, everything that we learned about like nutrition and diets and fat diets and fat phobia. Well, not literally everything I learned about fat phobia, but a lot of intelligent things I've learned about the terribleness of fat phobias from the lovely podcast Maintenance Days. And Aubrey Gordon proclaims that she is a, a proud fat woman. So I believe that, yeah, I think we can just use the word fat. And that is that is what Mira is. And I think that Mira would probably proclaim that she is a fat woman. So, and we love Mira. And she's honestly... So wonderful. I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't wonderful. wait to get into how much I love Mira. I cannot wait. Yeah, chapter five. Let's go ahead and get into it. We actually start a little bit with some good old Mira goodness. We basically are at the post office mm -hmm. and essentially Coley is kind of talking about the fact that, you know, Mira causes like a lot of attention. Like she's very eccentric and she kind of has like loud fashion and she just puts around on this bike, living her best life. She's having like secondhand embarrassment for her aunt. Like they're out and about. And this is one of the times that she's realizing that, you know, that mirror kind of attracts some attention essentially. Yes. And also <laughs> the one conversation, they're like talking about the fact that she attracts a lot of strays, which I think further goes, we had discussed last week on whether or not we thought that, the girls like Isabel and Morgan lived on property and I'm still not 100% like it's not still 100% clear to me, but I'm pretty sure like after reading this chapter, it sounds like, yeah, like the kind of the little white house must be on like the property. I'm assuming that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's like, it just sounds like a little one bedroom. It's probably like, 
like an in-law suite that you would have yeah. for like your, yeah, yeah. your aging mother-in-law or something. Yeah. So she's in the post office and she kind of hears these women over, uh, she overhears these women talking a ton of shit about Mira for really no reason other than what she's a delightful human who loves herself and takes in people who are ostracized by their family. What a crime. Right. I'll fight anybody for Mira. I literally wrote, I will fight these women <laughs> in the margins. <laughs> Come at me. Yeah, like how insulting that you're annoyed at this lady for like being a good human being and taking in people. Like it sounds like Norman kind of left like a shitty situation at home and she took him in. And why? Yeah, like why would that be? Another thing I thought was weird is that apparently he's the youngest of three boys, but he's the one that's named after his father, Norman. And I was like, usually the junior comes first, but all right. Big Norm. It typically norm. does. It typically does. Mom must have had a say in that. Yeah. And apparently, I like that, again, these, like, judgy women were like, he has long hair and I think he's into drugs and talking about human, Norman. And I was just like, of course, he has long hair, so he has to be a truckie. Right. Of course, he has long hair and he's eccentric, a.k.a. uses drugs. But even drugs. if he did use drugs, like, that doesn't make him any less of a good person. So... Maybe mind your own freaking business. Yeah. My, you have your own problems, okay, B. Williamson? Your baby has a huge head. So maybe don't concern yourself with Mira and Norman, who seem honestly both like lovely people. Seriously. Norman is just trying to be his authentic self and not live up to his father's sports expectations. <laughs> I was going to say he's basically like every – Disney Channel original movie, you know? He's like, Dad, I don't want to play basketball. I just want to be an artist. <laughs> He's like Archie in Riverdale season one. Yeah. And then never again. That was it. That was the only season he wanted to sing, I think. That was his plot line for season one, and then they forgot about it. And then when she goes home and Mira... <laughs> yeah. Mira had been white, right. It was quite a cranium, somewhat egg-shaped. The skin on her scalp pale and almost translucent. The rest of her body seemed toy-like in comparison. Is there something wrong with this kid? Does it need to go to the doctor? Yes, he might need to go check on that, you know? It sounds like an alien. <laughs> so then Mira, I mean, uh, Kali, Kali goes home and she is seeing... Mira is watching TV, and a part that I highlighted was um, this part here on page 65. As I watched, I realized that Mira probably did know it was all faked. She had to, but there was something satisfying about watching the Bruiser brothers reduced to limping off the mat, heads in their hands, paying for what they'd done. It restored your faith, and it was enough to push aside your skepticism and just believe, only for a little while, that good always wins out in the end. Poor Coley. She's had... I was... Um, as a youngin, up until my fresh through my freshman year of college, pretty pretty badly bullied as well, unfortunately. And it does stick with you, and it does kind of give you this like negative idea of people. And it is nice to just like escape and get into this fantasy world where good always triumphs, no matter what. You always know good is going to come through at the end. Yeah. I always feel like it's very funny to me, and I say this to someone, Mike Lana, a, a 
self-identified non-sports fan. Uh, I'm friends with a lot of people in my life who don't like sports. And my one friend, (laughs) Kristen, who she, well, she went to the University of North Carolina. So by default, she has to like basketball or else they kick you out from what I understand. So she is kind of into college basketball. But other than that, she's like, I don't get the sports. And she, because of that, she also like refuses to watch like sports movies, like, you know, like television about sports, movies, whatever. And I just think it's funny because every other thing that she likes, like we both really like a lot of sci-fi and sci-fi is so much about the underdog and good, you know, being conquering over evil and whatever. And again, mirror with her wrestling. And I'm like, yeah, it's like what every sports movie is. It's like, it's just like, you know how it's going to end. You put on that sports movie and you know exactly how that movie is going to end, but you put it on because it makes you feel good. And you know that the good guy is going to win in the end. And, you know, like Rocky's going to end the Cold War or whatever with a boxing match. And it's so dumb, but it's so good. Also, I'm really proud of myself, everyone, because last episode, I was like, this book came out in 99. I'm pretty sure we're in the middle of the Attitude Era and wrestling. And I checked with my husband and I was right. And I was very proud of myself that I knew that because, again, I don't know much about wrestling, but I have to hear him talk about it sometimes. And I was like, proud of myself for retaining that information. Look at you go. Look at me. Look at me. This is a side note, but this is what I wanted. I texted you yesterday and I was like, I need to tell you something. I'm bursting at the seams. Okay. So two days ago, two very pivotal things happened on Sarah Dessen's Instagram. Well, three. The first one is she said she took a time off and she has started to write two new books. So we possibly have two new Destin books coming. So that's very exciting. Second thing, she posted a picture that she's reading Lauren Graham's new memoir, which means she's def- she has to be a Gilmore Girls fan. And then on top of that, last night, she posted an Instagram story of the Taylor Swift anti-hero music video. And she says she watches it every single night. Sarah Dessen is a Taylor Swift fan. Confirmed. Hashtag confirmed. What's her closest show? Could she also be in Atlanta? I don't know. The possibilities are endless. Could I run into Sarah Dessen as Taylor? Do you think she listened to Midnight's while working on these two new novels? At least one of them, per chance. That would be a good story, I think. But anyway, back you know to the, I, I, I just, when I saw her post about Taylor Swift, I was like, I have to talk about this on the pod because like, this is very important to this. Those two <laughs> things are so important. Like they, you're like, it all, it all connects. It all connects y'all. Look at us. We've been doing it and it all connects. Can I just say on our quick little side note tangent before we dive back into chapter five in regards to Taylor Swift and Miss Dessen, that I do think it would be fun. And maybe this is something we can talk about on the discord or whatever if on like our instagram story maybe we put up for each book like a little taylor swift playlist like these are the songs that make us think like that would go well with this particular novel like just like you know two or three songs or whatever like five songs or less i think that'd be fun because again not just those two things or like of the venn diagram of our interest it's that's a circle it's just a circle and sarah Dessen <laughs> as well she's also as well I think she would love it. I think she would love it if we did that. Like each book, we're starting now. We're starting with Keeping the Moon, y'all. We are going to put up what we think the Taylor Swift playlist of this novel is moving forward. Because I don't know why. Because it's fun to me. 
That sounds that fun. I fun. like that. Let's definitely. Oh, I'm going to start brainstorming tonight. Oh my God. I'm thrilled. <laughs> okay. Let's go into this. That actually takes us to, well, okay. First, let me, I was about to skip ahead to the Columbia Records tape club, but let me go ahead and just talk about real quick. Now we're at work and essentially Coley kind of brings up the whole thing about Mira to Morgan, I believe. And she's talking about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like how that is or whatever, like how she feels bad for her or whatever. And Morgan kind of talks about like how awesome Mira is because again, she's kind of gotten to know her very well. And I just thoroughly enjoyed that Morgan is also part of the Mira fan club essentially. But then we get to, I love this because it's also just like very nineties, but this turns into be like, honestly, a very, this is a good, another way as we always compliment Sarah Dessen about how she like shows not tell how she just like, in such a little amount of time can tell you so much about a character and their personality. And I think this whole Columbia record tape club thing is like so funny and says so much about both Morgan and Isabel. And also where not only do I think Sarah Dustin clearly is a big Taylor Swift fan, but she mentions here on page 72 that uh, Isabel isn't happy. She usually put on Led Zeppelin four which Morgan hated. And I think that's very funny because in Just Listen, which we will get to here some point in 2023, wild 2023, that Led Zeppelin is a big kind of like musical mention in that novel as well. And I was like, huh, Sarah Dessen, clearly a Zeppelin fan. (laughs) Because that has come up now in at least two books, maybe more. And I just don't remember. But I definitely, like, it's a big thing in Just Listen. And also, as someone who is a Led Zeppelin fan, I will say that Sarah Dessen introduced me to one of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs because of Just Listen. So, spoiler alert for when we talk about that, everyone. I love that. Yeah, I love this, like, entire bit. Like, I just first of all think it's funny that they're, like, annoyed at Columbia Records because they're, like, not sending them their packages on time. And then also just like shows so much about Morgan and Isabel. Like Morgan really likes putting on Celine Dion, especially when she's upset and she misses Mark and Isabel like hates that. Um, and then she says that I believe Morgan is, yeah, she loves crooners. So she likes the Tony Bennett, Tom Jones, Frank Sinatra. And I, I just thought she only played Frank though when she'd had a crappy night and was really missing Mark. Like I love this entire thing, like through mm-hmm. music, you're just like, oh, wow. Like I get these girls. Like we already kind of had an understanding of them, but then just this, it's just like a beautiful way to like, I don't know, get to know your characters. I love that. Um, backing up just a little bit when Morgan is talking to um, Coley about, about Mira, she's like telling her a little bit. First of all, they're rolling silverware. I want to give a shout out to all my service industry folks. Rolling silverware blows. And (laughs) so they're talking about how Mira was running a um, art class at the community center and everyone really liked Mm -hmm. it. And then she had the mailman uh, pose nude and then everyone got really uncomfortable um, and asked her not to come back. And Mira was just like, oh, okay. And then it says, so that was kind of how it started. But there were other things, too. Like when some parents wanted to ban some books from middle school, Mira freaked out about that. Started showing up at school board meetings and making a real commotion. It just made people nervous, I guess. Um, Banning books should make people nervous. 
not Mira. <laughs> okay, people? Yeah, not Mira standing up for the books. Just saying. And then when we're when she's talking about this, she's kind of like this is such a relatable thing um when you're younger and a little insecure is like you're kind of lightly maybe talking a little bit of shit or like trying to agree with the masses because you think that that's what you should be doing. But in reality, that's not how you feel. Like on page 68, she's like, yeah, well, I went on not looking at her. I suddenly felt terrible for bringing even bringing it up as if I was Bay Williamson, just that shallow, the way she dresses and all. And it's like, it's like she doesn't feel this way, really deep down. Right. But she's feeling like she has to bring it up. And I think it's also a way for her to try to poke and prod to see what someone she actually likes thinks of Mira. And I thought that was like, you know, she's so insecure and she's like just not understanding how Mira can be so herself and so loud and everything she does. And um, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. No, 100%. I like what I, yeah, I really enjoy about the Morgan conversation is that like you said, like it's, she clearly knows this side of Mira. Like she's been living with her and she likes her. And then she's going out in public and she's like, wait a minute, the public scene, should I be embarrassed of her? Should I not like her? And so she goes to Morgan because Morgan is clearly someone that she has, you know, she trusts her opinion and yeah, does the whole like, so what do you, what do you think of Mira Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of conversation? Because again, like, so many times in Coley's life, as, as we're kind of starting to learn, she's been on the outside. She just wants to fit in. And I think she's really enjoying spending time with her aunt and thinks that her aunt is a cool person, but everyone else seems to be telling her that she's not. And so then she's kind of like, what do I do? Do I side with my aunt? Do I side with the rest of the town that thinks that she's nuts? Like, And I think her going to Morgan like makes perfect sense because, yeah, it's like this third party that's like, trusted in her mind to like tell her what she should think which is kind of terrible but again when you're a teenager you do rely on that like sometimes you're like unintentionally being like hi someone told me what I should think about this thing or person Mm -hmm. in this case yeah exactly I feel like I I said that as a teenager but I'm pretty sure I did that like most of my life until my late (laughs) 20s when I started like figuring out who I actually am as a person it's been a journey y'all it's been a real journey yeah there's nothing like I think finally now like which is sad it took maybe me being into my 30s which I'm like very freshly into this decade in my life to be like I don't give a flying crap Mm -hmm. what other people think of other people if I like them as long as I think that they're a good person and they're not out there you know spewing hate and terrible things like I don't care if people that I work with think that they're a little Mm -hmm. weird or something like um like so many times again working in a restaurant that does have such a large staff like people will always be like, what do you think of so-and-so if they're new and I'll be like I-, I like them and I know that they're like fishing for something and I'm like I don't care like I don't care if you think it's weird that I like that person <laughs> like I just don't give a damn and I legitimately think that a decade ago I don't think I- I'd be like oh am I the only person who talks to this person like that's not- you know and which is terrible like that's terrible but you do get this weird like peer pressure if you're like oh am I the only person talking to the weird person does that make me weird by association you know and that's a terrible way to live your life like but Mm -hmm. yeah we all fall into that trap I think for sure but then um you know Isabel walks in and Morgan's like where have you been 
And they kind of have like a little bit of a fight because I guess Isabel didn't come home the night before. Um, and then mm-hmm. Isabel is she like, I went out with Jeff. She's like, oh my God, that's amazing. And then they have their little best friend girl chat where they talk to each other. And um, Coley's like not involved in this. She is kind of, I think she's in the kitchen watching them. And yeah. which is mm, so sad. But I highlighted here, I stood there listening with Morgan while Isabel told the whole story from the call to the afternoon sale to the kiss. They'd forgotten I was even there. As Isabel acted out her date, both of them laughing, I stayed in the kitchen out of sight and pretending that she was telling me to. And that for once, I was part of this hidden language of laughter and silliness and girls that was somehow friendship. Oh, Chloe. I'm like, you are kind of part of it. Like you think that you're not, but... You are like a more more part of this than you think you are. Also, Morgan is the mom friend, right? She's like, you were out all night, young lady. Where were you? You could have called. And I, I just kind of loved that. I was like, yeah, I I too would be concerned if I lived with my friend and they didn't show up. So I get it. Also, in the last episode, we talked about how we think we have bad vibes with Mark. And on page 73... Mm. We find out she, Morgan is saying, you know, going back to your conversation that you were talking about earlier, uh, Morgan's talking about putting on music and she's like, I promise I'll only play this once tonight. I just miss him. That's all. And it's in it's, it's a little. Then it says <laughs> Isabel didn't say anything. She hardly ever did when Mark came up. His name always made her twist her mouth a little bit tighter and turn her away. And I said, here it is. Mm-hmm. Here it is. The more we get into it, the more, oh, Mark. Oh, I also liked the very end of chapter five when Coley's like, I was amazed that they had so much to talk about from the second they saw each other. There was constant laughing and sarcasm and commentary, something something connecting them that pulled the taut or fell limp with each thought spoken. Their words, like the music, had the potential to be endless. And I love that because I just think like, Honestly, all the time, people will be like, I don't know. Like, they live together. They live together. They work together. They literally pretty much are always together, but they still have something to talk about. And I just think it's funny because a lot of, like, female friendships, like, people will be like, you know, like, I have friends that I, you know, work with. And then I get off of work and I go hang out with them outside of work. And people are like, what did, like, what do you still have to talk about? Like, you just saw each other all day. And it's like, a lot. Like, there's always something to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I know. There's nothing better than a good female friendship. As we sit here with our female friendship being recorded yeah. <laughs> out into the world. See, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Last week was two hours worth <laughs> female friendships, y'all. That's what we do. Once a week, we get together and like talk for two hours about books and other random tangents. And this is just like the recorded bit. There's like the bit before, there's the bit after we record. Like, you don't even get to hear all of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter six. Are we ready to, we ready to hit it? We are. Oh, first thing I want to point out about this chapter real quick is that Coley is eating fat-free cream cheese. And I can tell you one thing as a bagel and cream cheese connoisseur, Mm -hmm. fat-free cream cheese is freaking disgusting. Don't even bother. (laughs) It is so gross. Why would you do that to yourself? Don't. Let's see full fat, baby. Yeah, fifteen. If you're eating cream cheese, go big or go home. Yeah, like don't even bother with. That's just gross. 
Monsters Cross. Another great Mira thing. She's into astrology. And every morning they start their day and she like tells Coley like what her day is going to be like. And I love that. Again, it's another thing like Mira, like with her wrestling with her astrology, like I think deep down, yeah, she kind of is like, oh, it's like a little hokey. And I think she knows like deep down, like, you know, maybe deep down she believes in all the astrology. I'm not sure. But either way, I don't think there's anything wrong with astrology. Like, I'm very much in the mindset of, like, I think half of it is crap and people read too much into it. But the other Mm -hmm. half, like, is always eerily accurate. And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, wow. (laughs) So, like, there's nothing wrong with reading a horoscope to, like, I don't know, like, if it'll make you feel better or whatever. And I just think that that's really cute that that's, like, how they start their mornings. I always say when people, so just as I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the podcast before, but I am in a heterosexual relationship, but I am not straight. I'm queer. And um, I always used to tell people when they started talking to me about astrology, I was always like, I'm not that kind of gay. I just... (laughs) I re- I like the to read stuff about Pisces. I like those little infographs, but um, especially in the gay community, there's just like s- people put like a lot of focus and know a lot of shit about it. And I am just not that. I'm not that. I think it's fun. I used to read my horoscope in Cosmo every month. Um, Cosmo, by the way, also problematic. Um, but <laughs> you know, that's as that's as deep as it goes. Yeah. Everyone gets their, their trait, you know, when they, they come out and some, some gays go down the path of astrology when you were like, no, that wasn't the path I went down. No, that wasn't the card they gave me at the registration yeah. office. <laughs> the, yeah. A good old queer registration. Everyone has to go. It's mandated. And they did not give you that card. And they were like, no, what was the thing? What was I listening to? And I think I told you about this. And it was something to do with queer women and like their love for like, you know, like taking in like rescue dogs or whatever. And I was like, <laughs> Michael Ann. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's the card she was given. I can't even remember what it was. But that's I legit so remember cool. listening to it and being like, yeah, I know, I know that person. <laughs> yeah, that's me, baby. We actually went to a farmer's market this morning and there was a rescue there with puppies. So we dropped that application in. We're looking at dog number two. I'll keep y'all updated. <laughs> You're like, you'll see the pictures on Instagram. Sure I'll let y'all know. Dogs, man. They're really, they're just really lovable. And you can't see one and not just want to, just want to like, take dogs. care of it. Uh, so. so that's a quick stop. Mira's mm-hmm. going through. What am I forgetting? It's milk that she's forgetting. And then I believe that they run into the woman who has the child with the big head, Miss B. Williamson. And they're talking about, is this when they're talking about the bazaar? Oh, no, that's the guy that talks about the church bazaar. This is not that conversation. I don't even know what they're talking about. But again, it's just like another instance of how Mira's kind of being herself. Uh, Bea Williamson's kind of being a little bit of a Bia, and Coley's sort of embarrassed of her again. Yeah, it's a bummer. I just, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand B 
being the kind of person who would like blatantly insult someone to their face for like no reason whatsoever no reason. it just like is not a mindset i can get into maybe when i was like 13 but definitely not as an adult but it's like mira doesn't even notice yeah yeah i can't imagine just being an adult and going around and like being mean to someone for no like no reason. absolutely no reason like like listen if you're like you know, if you walk up to me and you say some crazy shit that's like racist or homophobic or something, like, okay, well, then that's going to be something different. But I'm not just going to make fun of like some random person for no reason. Yeah, for being themselves. Like, they're all yeah. themselves. Like, golly, the audacity of this woman. <laughs> Seriously. Also, uh, in my head, Pan and Mira is also queer. You know what? I can see that. I can 100% see that. Mm-hmm. we get to Ugh. so it starts off it was a Friday about a week later when it happened so Morgan is off this day so Coley is stuck just working with Isabel and Isabel being Isabel and she's a little bit more tough love it's all like look Morgan's not here to call you today and so she's kind of like being a Bia to her which poor Coley again I don't think deserve that and again as much as I enjoy Isabel and I enjoy her more and more as we go through this novel sometimes I am like Jesus lady like you could be a little bit you know nicer a little more empathetic to to people but okay so Norman is working there as well and poor Coley is kind of having a little bit of time and he's like oh you know like don't worry about her you know she's kind of just like that and then she is going out to I believe oh yeah she's going out to like the dumpsters when all of a sudden basically this person comes in to take a to place a to-go order which Isabel ends up being the one that is helping her and who is it but uh, a girl from Coley's school who is a bit of a bully one of her like main bullies this absolute ugh little bitch Carolyn Doss mm-hmm. <laughs> she comes in and of course which is like one of those things and like this does like legitimately happen in life where you're like seriously if all the gin joints mm-hmm. in all the world you walk into mine like here I am mm-hmm. hours away loving this job like this job has kind of become like a safe space for her and then Carolyn Dawes just like has to be there and take her down so of course she ends up spotting her and this girl is like oh my god what are you doing here and you know like she's hoping that'll be different like she can just be like oh hi and she'll go away or whatever and then the person who was with carolyn dawes is like who is that and she's like coley sparks and she's like she's the girl from my school she's like the biggest loser which who talks like that like only mean people yeah and then (laughs) this is where she basically uh, we find out about how they call her hole-in-one because she was like, she will sleep with anyone. I swear to God, they call her hole-in-one. She laughed again. That's awful, her friend said. But I could see, I could tell she was smiling in her voice. She totally deserves it, Carolyn said. She's the biggest slut in our school. Plus, she thinks she's so cool because her mom is Kiki Sparks. Like, that impresses anyone. And it's like, no, she doesn't think she's cool, like, because her mom is Kiki Sparks. Like, that's not at all, that's she, not at all it. <laughs> We would rather her mom wasn't Kiki Sparks, yeah. actually. <laughs> to be um, perfectly honest. Uh, right before this happens, too, um, a few things. First of all, it's a she says that Norman always remakes her food quickly. That's how you know he has a crush on her. Um, mm-hmm. 
That is how you always know in the service industry. I'm sure you've seen that post. It's like on Facebook or I don't know, whatever your social media choices, Instagram, Twitter. Again, we're millennial women. So we like the Instagram, but for you Gen Zers out there, maybe you've seen this on the TikTok, but (laughs) where it's like, you know, the relationship between hosts and line cooks. And it's like Mm -hmm. so accurate. Like there's always some like, I don't know, 20 to 25 year old line cook who like hits on a 19 year old host and you're just like oh uh but yeah he's always like making our food <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah the guy recooks your order like always make sure to recook your order quickly he's got a crush on you that's how yep. you know mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and then yeah and then this freaking bitch comes in and it's like i can't even like the audacity to come in here and say something like that at a person's place of work. Yeah. I mean, what? I'm also really curious. I don't know if we are ever going to see this, but I'm really curious. This is a no spoiler zone. I, I've only read up to chapter through chapter 10, but how did she get the reputation of being like a slut? That's so yeah. strange. Yeah, I too. Because like everything we've heard about her so far, I too have only read through chapter 10. I've kind of decided... The first book we read, I kind of just like read in one sitting. And now that we've kind of been getting better at like making a schedule, I like to just read like to up to what we're recording because especially books that I like don't have the best memory of like Keeping the Moon, which I haven't read in a really long time. I'm like, ooh, I kind of want to be fresh. So I've only read up to chapter 10 because that's what we're discussing. And yeah, up to this point, we have not discussed how she has gotten that like slutty reputation, but I'm so confused by that. And again, I'm certain that it was probably some guy being a sleaze bag and someone walked mm-hmm. in on them and it was like taken the wrong way I, like I legitimately don't remember it's been a really long time since I read this book but I'm certain it was you know obviously it's not accurate Coley has made it clear it's not accurate but everything we know about her so far is like she doesn't have any friends she seems to be a loner she's constantly moving around like why did she get this slutty reputation like of all the people I'm like how the heck is she being called hole in one and yeah like this girl carolyn is like i can't believe she's here if i have to see her ugly face again it'll like ruin my vacation like why we why would you care like why would you care that you're in a speech town and this girl that you supposedly don't like for again absolutely no good reason is working at a restaurant that like why would you care i just can't imagine just being that like hostile and mean towards someone <laughs> i i don't i can't either it, it's like insane to me and then this chapter is really interesting because we kind of see like the again we're seeing like the juxtaposition between mira and coley like it to coley's mind and we don't know what mira is going through we don't have her internal dialogue but from coley's perspective it looks like mira doesn't even really notice that people are talking about her and she doesn't really care she's just doing her thing and she's living her life and she's like "Fuck you but coley it's like all she thinks about she's like obsessed with how people are perceiving her and her negative reputation and people being mean to her and she's like if i had been mira i would have pretended to ignore it altogether if i'd been morgan i would have stood up and walked in and to give caroline peace of my mind if i'd been isabel i probably would have thrown a punch but i was just me so i pulled myself tighter and tighter closed my eyes and waited for it to be over yeah that's just really i i liked how she was kind of went over how everyone else would have handled it yeah and again yeah we don't know exactly how mira does handle it in her mind but at least outwardly she acts like it doesn't affect her 
But that yeah. just makes me like sad. And I think also it makes Coley, yeah, she's like very closed off. Like she's, we're going to see in a couple of chapters, like even with people that she's kind of starting to get comfortable with, she still doesn't feel like completely comfortable with because I think in her mind, it's always like she's waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't trust. And I just can't imagine like being that like isolated and alone and like untrusting that you, yeah, like you basically almost like, can't make friends because you're so worried that you know inevitably they won't want to be your friends Mm -hmm. and I've struggled with that exact thing for a long as I said I was like I was bullied in high school middle school and college and like I that that was my thing like I I would just start pushing people away eventually because I'd be like well they're gonna stop liking me soon anyway so I might as well just let this friendship die slowly and like it's better if I'm the one who does it yeah. because then it's like, that's the the only power you feel like you have over it being like, well, then it'll be my choice. And like, they won't have the opportunity to like, not want to hang out with me anymore. You know? Right. I always feel like I just let them like sizzle out and I'm like, yeah, it's just because people don't like me after a certain amount of time. And I still like live with that fear and it's so, I'm working on it. I've been working on it and I'm a lot better now, but you know, my twenties, I was like, well, people are just going to stop liking me soon because I suck. So, and that's kind of what she's doing too. She's like, oh, everyone just hates me. So, we're cool. Yeah. She basically, she realizes that Isabel has heard this whole exchange and, and she says that and she was like, oh, great. I thought now she can hate me for a reason. So, she just already assumes that Isabel, which again, Isabel pretty much hasn't given her any reason to not think that she hates her. And now she's like, oh, crap. Like, now she knows this. And and she'll definitely assume that this girl is right and not yeah. me. And she'll just think that I'm a slut and, you know, a loser. And she won't want to talk to me. Except for kind of the opposite happens. And after they uh, kind of close up, basically, Isabel kind of is like, come on. Like, we're, we're going to go. And you're coming with me. <laughs> And they go back to the little little white house on, we think, again, Mir's property. And they kind of have a little, which I like that Isabel's like, the world, she said, is chock full of bitchy girls. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's, yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, so they go into her house, which is this is the first time we've been in Isabel and Morgan's house. And I do love this description of, you know, she was like, you can tell which side of the bedroom was Isabel's one, of course, as we know from Morgan, how she is at the restaurant, everything. The to-go stuff has to be like this. You're not rolling your silverware tight enough, you know, this, that, the other thing. So yeah. her area of the bedroom is pristine. And of course, Isabel's side is an absolute hot mess, which like, same girl, same. same. <laughs> and worlds of Isabel and Morgan's, I'm definitely more of an Isabel when it comes to housekeeping. What can I say? Yeah. (laughs) But basically she, I think this whole scene is very interesting because she doesn't do, like you could tell that Isabel feels for Coley and she basically takes her home and is like trying to make her feel better, but she doesn't do the like, hey, you're awesome as you are. Like she basically gives her like a little makeover, which is nice, but it's it is kind of strange that it's like she heard this girl being mean to her so she's like let's pluck your eyebrows and 
for God's sake, I'm fixing your hair. Isabel is really hung up on Coley's hair <laughs> and the fact that it's not all one shade. <laughs> it must look really bad. I was seeing it as like Isabel is seeing that Coley is like so deeply, deeply, deeply insecure and she lets people treat her like shit. And so she's like, let's get your confidence up a little bit. Let me fix your hair. Yeah. Let me pluck your eyebrows. Which sometimes that is, again, I'm like a very girly girl. Like I mm-hmm. always liked wearing frilly dresses and pretty shoes. I like sparkly things. I love makeup. I've always loved makeup. We talked, you know, last week a little bit about how makeup culture is toxic. And it is sad that I think, again, now, you know, I don't have to. I went out to Lowe's tonight. And my clan can attest because I said earlier, I look like a sickly child right now. I like haven't washed my hair today. I didn't do any makeup or anything like that. So I'm just like living my best life. And I went out to Lowe's. And again, yeah, I don't know, probably like 10 years ago, I've been like, oh my God, like I can't leave the house like this. Mm-hmm. I look a mess. And now I'm like, whatever. Okay. <laughs> but um, now I, I'm very much like makeup is fun. I like makeup to be creative and be fun. And there is something about. You know, for instance, at work lately, um, it's a couple weeks ago, it was the holidays and it just, you know, it was kind of a busy time. And there's something very cathartic about waking up and giving myself an hour to like drink my coffee, do my hair and makeup. I, you know, I put on like false eyelashes the other day to go to work, which is not something I usually do, but it was just like, I wanted to feel pretty because when I feel pretty, it puts me in a good mood. And then I'd be in a good mood for the busy day I was going to have. I didn't need to do it. I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to look ugly at work if I don't. But yeah, so I think Isabel, I guess, was trying to do that. Like, just have that kind of, like, there's something nice about girl time. Like, painting someone's nails or plucking someone's eyebrows, you know, to, yeah. to just be like, hey, like, this is just something that's, like, going to be nice and make you feel better. And you don't need it. But, like, it's just, you know, it's, like, a nice thing to do. And also, we're, like, pretty certain, as both of us have we have admitted, have only reread up to Chapter 10. I'm pretty sure the cousin, I'm doing yeah. more close right now for everyone, is 100% Isabel, right? Like, we're both picking up that same I, vibe. <laughs> yeah, and I think I remember that. Like, when I read yeah. that part about the picture, I was, like, it, like, pinged something sure in my memory. And I was, like, her. yeah. And it's, like, why else would she bring it up? Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, yeah, that's a weird thing to bring up. And then, like, in a chapter to which we have read like she says something like Coley kind of says something mean to Isabel about what it must have been like for her in high school and Isabel kind of acts like mm-hmm, girl you had no idea mm-hmm. so yeah I think she definitely had a little bit of a, a glow up as the kids call it these days <laughs> so yeah yeah which also yeah like everyone's gonna grow into their own skin like again it's uh, like I said last week, it, self-love is, like, the hardest thing. And there are days when I, like, I don't wake up every day and I'm, like, wow, I'm beautiful. Like, certain times, like, my husband, because he's very sweet, when he leaves for work before me, will, like, you know, go say goodbye to me. And he'll just be, like, you're the most beautiful girl in the world. And I'm, like, you're biased. <laughs> like, you have to say that. <laughs> I'm, like, yep. you're married to me. Like, you have to say that. Like, I know I'm not. Like, please don't lie to me. But, because, again, like, it's just hard. It's hard to take a compliment, you know? Like, it is. And. So I, you know, I just like, I feel for that, but I do think, you know, everyone, if you are that like quote unquote ugly duckling, if you are, you don't feel like you're the cutest 
you know, kid in elementary school or middle school, just everyone remember Matthew Lewis. Okay. You know, like he had a glow up. Everyone can have a glow up. (laughs) It's everyone, you know, not, not everyone is the best looking at every age, but like, you'll find your age where you look great. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, And another inspirational story, Matthew Lewis's wife, was just an hourly employee at Universal Studios Orlando, and she mm-hmm. met him doing a VIP, VPI, VIP yeah. tour, and uh, now they're married, and she's yeah. rich. So you go, girl. If she can, you can too, y'all. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah, it's the transformation uh, for us all. Matthew Lewis and his wife, both their own separate and together inspirational stories. Yeah, speaking of inspirational stories, Pierre on page 88, um, you know, as well as kind of having like this whole sort of like self-respect talk with Colby as she's kind of, you know, just like giving her, making her feel better, making sure her hair's all one color, which again, I do respect as someone who has colored my hair for mm-hmm. years, if it was all one color, it would drive me crazy. So I, you know, I get that as well. But she was saying, um, Colby, you should never be surprised when people treat you with respect. You should expect it, which... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It should never be something that catches you off guard or you think that they're being nice or whatever. Like you should expect people to treat you with, you know, just absolute respect and decency. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And then she continues and she says, self-respect, Coley. If you don't have it, the world will walk all over you. And then a little bit later, it's all about you, Coley. Believe in yourself up here. She's tapping her finger. And it'll make you stronger than you could ever imagine. And like, mm. hell yeah, that's the best advice. It's so yeah. true. And it doesn't matter what your body looks like. It doesn't matter what anything. The only thing that matters is that you respect yourself. 100%. Yeah. Respect yourself. Other people will respect you. And if they don't, don't pay them any mind or give them any time or attention. Because yeah. they're not worth your time. Life's too short. Okay, real quick, while we're talking about Matthew Lewis, I just want to say that Matthew Lewis and Tom Felton come to Universal Studios all the time, and they eat at the restaurant that me and Bethany worked at all the time, and my fiancé waited on them one time, and he was chosen because he didn't know who the F they were. (laughs) And as somebody who has a giant Luna Lovegood tattoo on her arm, I, I do find that offensive. We were not dating at the time. I was fully engaged to a different person. But yeah, I still bring that up all the time. And no, he has not watched past the third <laughs> movie. And he has only read the first book. So I will never forget that, honestly. Like, he really yeah. was like, I don't understand what the big deal is. Like, I don't understand why everyone's excited over these people. And everyone else basically was like, what? How do you not know who they are? Like, how? Like, he really was so unfazed by it. I was like, this mother, I remember going and like, I remember like throwing mad shade at him being like, this guy doesn't know who Matthew Lewis and Tom Felton are. Are you kidding me? What the hell? Now I'm marrying him, everybody. Yeah. So there you go, everyone. (laughs) I was, they stopped letting people like run food for them and stuff. So it was like, I could only see them from a distance. And I just like looked at them through the plexiglass and I was like, hello. (laughs) 
Hello. Uh, Tom Felton went to go to the bathroom and like everyone basically freaked out because like they're like, oh my God, it's our chance to see him. Like honestly, it was embarrassing how excited most of us were. Andrew got to stand out back with Tom Felton, just him and Tom Felton chatting out back while Tom Felton smoked. Yeah. Just hanging out, just Tom Felton and Andrew. And like Andrew was nothing. just like, oh, just another guy. It's like, and you're like, no. It's past out. freaking Draco Malfoy right there. You don't even understand. I like that both of us married people that like really don't get Potter. Mike has at least seen all the movies, but yeah, he doesn't. I don't know. I mean, now I think he loves Daniel Radcliffe because he played Weird Al in a biopic. But <laughs> other Daniel, than that, he would have never like met anything to him. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe is such a delightful person. Like. I, I like Honestly. he is his own guy now. I mean, they all are at this point. They're right. all their own people at this point. But um, yeah, yeah, he's so funny. He does like so many, so much good shit. I Remember, really. Like, when he did that naked play on Broadway, yes, was, and like, it was like such a big deal. Yeah, no, I love the path that his career has taken. I love like I just yeah, I think he's really like. Again, I can't imagine. I literally can't imagine. And they talked about this a little bit on the anniversary, 20th anniversary, like special on HBO about what they would like, no one but them understands what they went through. And I can't imagine being a child actor and being such a recognizable person. And he really just grew up like so normal, like somehow stayed so humble, like as really just like a decent guy. Like I'm going to be so mad if like any year this is not true. And here I am on record, like standing him. But, um, but he just seems like a really nice, good guy who like you know um and yeah I, I mean I commended him obviously when he you know spoke out against JK Rowling and, and her comments yeah. <laughs> cringe uh so yeah I just you know he he sticks to what he believes in and yeah it's just really it's some interesting career choices and I just like really respect that and I'm so amazed at how normal like mm-hmm. all of that cast like for the most part you know turned out to be all right chapter seven we're doing it, chapter seven. So, You're here, everyone, for service rants and also our thoughts on Harry Potter child actors. <laughs> You're here for all of it, people. You're here for all of it. All right? You're here for all of it. Daniel Radcliffe's a great guy. Chapter seven. Here we go. <laughs> I know. I almost started talking about Bonnie Wright, and I was like, Michael, and reel it back. You don't need to talk like, about real Bonnie back. Wright. Reel it back. <laughs> Just, just relax, please. Just out there making like vegan beauty products. You go, girl. <laughs> anyway. Oh my god, I, I just did so much. It's so much. So, there's so many things to say about the people of um, Harry Potter. Nothing to say about J.K. Rowling, though. I think we're we're done with yeah. her. Forever. I think we're I think we're all talked out on that one. Yeah, uh, she's, <laughs> I think she's saying enough for anybody. <laughs> um, and she should stop. And she, she should really should stop. stop. She should just stop talking. Actually, that'd be really great for another mankind. thing. I don't understand is like this woman was beloved all over the world. Okay, she yes. created something that was like that changed culture in itself. Okay, yeah, she could have just sat in her little castle and she could have just written her little books. Which, by the way, right. I've tried to read her other stuff and it's not good. So, mm-hmm. just putting that out there. But she could have just been in her little castle and she could have just lived on her millions and millions of dollars and just had her little thing. Yeah. And instead she's doing this. It's like, what, I, what, give me your, give me your money right. and 
I will take it off your hands because obviously this pressure is too much for you and you can just go fuck right off in Scotland, you know? Yeah, I really, if this isn't a story of like money just makes you lose your goddamn mind, I don't know what is because, yeah, like she really, again, like one of the greatest good over evil, you know, Voldemort is 100%, Voldemort and the the Death Eaters are 100% an allegory for, you know, Hitler and the Nazis. Like college courses are taught on that. Like that's a legit thing you can take at most universities. And then- literally has the right to go on like random Twitter rampages that are just hella transphobic. And you're like, what? Like, And why would you double down on that? Like, again, like you were just like this beloved person. Just shut up. Like when everyone was like, hey girl, you wrong. You're just like, yeah, right. And then just like go disappear into the ether. Like, why did you double down? And now she's she's meeting, she's actively meeting and posting pictures with hate groups uh like she's a freaking like i to this day to this day she's still going off and it's so strange you know how last week i was talking about star wars fans and people that call themselves star wars fans and i'm like you missed the whole damn point i want to look at jk rowling and be like you missed the whole damn point of the books you wrote (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you missed the whole damn point except for probably the part where you made, you know, like the bankers, like stereotypes. I was just going to say that. But, but other than that, like your books were all about accepting people and like good conquering over evil. Yeah. And you missed the whole damn point of the own book series that you wrote. I don't understand. <laughs> when I went to the University of Central Florida, which is where I graduated from, shout out. Um, I did take a Harry Potter class. I took a Harry Potter studies class. It's where one of my, where I met one of my good friends, Victoria. Another shout out. Um, and yeah, I've I've I know Harry Potter books now better than I should ever know anything. And there <laughs> are some problematic themes in there, like as you said, the bankers and also slaves being like happy in their confinement. That's also not great. Um, also just slave there's slaves in general (laughs) why are they even what even is that um hey guys i know this is a maybe bold thing to say here but i want to go on record and say slavery not good (laughs) yeah no zero out of ten that was terrible i don't know why she even included like house elves adorable why couldn't they have been paid why couldn't they have been paid like why would they and it was so easy like this is a magical world you created right you could have just made them paid you could have made them paid and unionized <laughs> you could have done whatever the fuck you wanted yeah, to do like you, wanted. you created this world the hell <laughs> and then instead she's just like let me tweet something extremely offensive in the name of women and then every woman is like maybe don't yeah please don't speak for us thanks <laughs> we're actually all set someone deactivated really her good. <laughs> Should we talk about the book that we're doing a podcast about? Yeah, now? yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that we have gone into our foray about Harry Potter, uh, we're gonna talk about Sarah Dessen. Yeah, okay. Thanks. Th- you know what? I'm gonna also get on record to say, hey, hey, thanks, Sarah, for never tweeting any transphobic bullshit in the name of women. We really appreciate you for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. thank you so much. Chapter seven. She's on her way home when she literally bumps into Norman. Norm. Good old Norm. 
So we had a t-shirt that says, can't stop dancing, which I love. At the bottom of page 91, which is like the second page of this chapter, he's talking about, um, I'm really interested in the idea of anonymity. I can't even say anonymity right now. Why is that not a word I could say? <laughs> and familiarity and sunglasses, you know, are so indicative of that. I mean, they're worn by some people to hide themselves, but they're also a fashion statement meant to be noted. So there's a dichotomy there. I wrote a note there that said pretentious, but in a cute way. <laughs> yeah, like he seems very like pretentious, like art douchebag, but he also seems really harmless. Like he seems like a nice guy, but like if anyone... If I was at like a party and someone came up to me and said that, I'd be like, nope. <laughs> I'd walk into the other room. <laughs> I'd be like, great. Thanks for that. Bye. We're done here. Bye. I'd be like, oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I'd be like, this fucking asshole. Also, swing of deadheads and just like pretentious people. It's nothing I'll never understand. And clearly, I don't understand it because here I am recording a podcast talking about something that I love. When I love something... I want to find other people. I love finding a community of other people that love it. And also if someone has never seen something or heard of a band I like or whatever, I'm nauseating, annoying about it. And I'm like, listen to this thing. Listen to this thing. Oh my God, you would love it. You should listen to this thing. So I never understand people who don't want people to become fans of something that they like and like gatekeep it. And also people that are like judgmental. Of There's mm-hmm. so much time and entertainment and music and history and art that has happened in the world and no one should be responsible for knowing all of that so if there's something that you like and you want someone else to know it don't shame them for not knowing it and introduce them because there's nothing wrong like i love sarah dessen and so we're on this podcast and we've met so many cool people now that we're like oh my god like you love this thing too like that's great i would never be like um Name me five characters, or you can't say that you look like it. <laughs> Get I hate out that of here. Shit. Yeah, oh, I hate that. I... And it's like you don't if you can like something without being like a mega intense fan who like knows a bunch of trivia and shit. Ah. It's like, like I love Star Wars, but I'm not going to be able to freaking tell you anything about it. But that doesn't mean just, I'm not a fan. <laughs> like you just casually like things. Like that's yeah. allowed. I mean, like. My neurodivergent brain is like, no, you must hyperfixate on this thing, Bethany. You must hyperfixate on this thing. Yeah, but most people don't do. hyperfixate on things. Yeah. <laughs> and that's normal and okay. <laughs> there are some things I hyperfixate on. There is a lot of stuff that I say to my coworkers when they casually bring stuff up. And I'm like, that was weird. They're going to think I'm weird. Mostly it's Disney. Anything <laughs> like Disney, I'm like, oh, like they started talking about, I don't know what the hell they were talking about. And I was like, well, the CEO that just got fired was actually from the merchandising department, which is why we're seeing. And then I was like, my glance just. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, no too far. No, the no, average no, no, person no. <laughs> does not know that and they don't care. And you're like, but I think it's cool. And I want to share this information I learned. I sometimes text my friend Kristen, um, who I shout out on this podcast for like once an episode. And I literally just text her and I go, because I like have a new hyperfixation that I want to like tell someone about. And I know she won't be annoyed because we do this to each other all the time. And I'll just be like, can I call you and talk to you for the next hour about my latest hyperfixation? And she's like, sure. What is <laughs> it? Others, oh, I mean, like, I don't have anything at the moment that I can oh, think damn. of. I'm sure I probably do. But I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'll get like really sucked into, like, I'll binge watch a TV. Okay. Like the other night, for instance. 
uh, I was out to dinner with my husband and a joint friend of ours, and she watches The Crown, or she hadn't watched The Crown yet, and I've watched The Crown, and I was trying to tell her why she should watch The Crown. And, like, my poor husband just had to sit there for, like, 20 minutes while I was just like, and then this season, which, again, it's, like, history-based. Like, we all know kind of what happened. But I'm like, and if you thought you hated Prince Philip before, just you wait. So, yeah, it's like sometimes I just watch TV shows and then I don't know anyone else who watches it. And so I'll just call my friend Kristen and tell her about it. Like Cobra Kai, for instance, I'm obsessed with. I don't know. I, like, I'm That's obsessed so with random. <laughs> like so random. But I am obsessed with it. And she has never watched a single episode in her life. And I gave her, I shit you not, a 20-minute diatribe about how the season two finale was better than any Greek tragedy. <laughs> and oh, I stand by it. Please write that blog post. I want to read it. <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> like, I was so, I blame my husband for my Cobra Kai obsession because he watched the first couple seasons and then... Because he knows me and he knows that I love like a good 80s coming of age story. So of course, like I watch Karate Kid, like everyone else in the history of, of course. I don't know, being a child, like we all just saw it somehow. And yeah. so he's like, I'm really amazed you don't watch this. Like you love coming of age stuff. Like this is right up your alley. And I was like, yeah, I know. But like, uh, like I was like, I haven't seen Karate Kid in ages. Like I don't even know like what I really remember except like wax on, wax off. Like everyone knows that. And then I watched the first season and like, a night <laughs> I just like <laughs> and we were like we we're like we're the people who like watch the trailer drop for like the news I don't know anyways we're obsessed and so yeah so sometimes I just call my friends and make them listen to me talk about shows they don't even watch <laughs> uh so yeah so Norman who's a little pretentious but like lovable they're going back to like Mira's and Cat Norman has gotten out once again oh Cat Norman um, and the other problem with that is there is a storm coming. So they're a little bit worried about him like being out in the storm. So they're trying to find him. And then basically they end up kind of getting like locked out of the house and like they're like toward the back because they were around looking for Cat Norman. And they they're like, oh crap, we're stuck. And so they have to kind of run to the front, which of course means that they're getting like sopping wet. And Norman basically kind of like grabs her hand to like push her along, you know, like we got to go. So they go uh, back up to the front of the house and they're able to get in. And of course, then Cat Norman is like totally fine and inside. And of course there's like kind of some sparks flying, but also Coley cause she's Coley. She's all up in her head and is like, is he only grabbing my hand because he knows I'm a slut now, <laughs> you know, or like know. supposedly a slut. And it's like, no, like, some people are just good people, Coley, but I understand why you would yeah. feel that way. Yeah. And it's like, and when you're a teenage girl, it is something you have to like be worried about, unfortunately, is like, is this man just talking to me because he thinks I'm easy? Um, like, I've had male friends who like, you know, you think you're friends and then they like want to have sex with you and you're like, no, thanks. And then you never talk to them again. It, it is kind of tricky to navigate that kind of thing. Boy, isn't it? And somehow you're the bad guy because you led them on because mm, you yeah. never did once. And you were like, I thought we were friends. And they're like, you bitch, you friend zoned me. And you're like, no I, girls want I a nice guy. That didn't do anything. <laughs> no girls want a nice guy. All girls want assholes. That's why I'm single. Spoiler alert. You're the asshole. Fuck you. Seriously. <laughs> 
Honestly, the best thing that Aaron Sorkin has ever written was his whole little monologue that he gave whatever her name is in the social network at the beginning when she's like, and you're going to live your whole life thinking and (laughs) that. And she's like, and then it won't be. It's because you're an asshole. And I was like, yes! That That movie was, I had like, I don't know why, I just like never watched it until like last year. And I was like, oh my God, this movie is amazing. And it makes me want to deactivate my Facebook and like right now. (laughs) To like, fuck off. Seriously. No, that movie is so honestly amazing. I... I'm a little bit borderline obsessed with it. And because I'm an old school person who loves having physical media, I own it on DVD. <laughs> oh, interesting. I have owned it on DVD since it came out in 2009. I like bought that. Like I literally was obsessed. I worked at the movie theater that movie came out. I'm pretty sure I saw it twice in theaters. Yeah, we have that sad moment. And then she goes inside and um, she starts cleaning up the room because of the storm and the windows being open kind of everything got strewn everywhere so Coley goes into Mira's studio and she starts collecting some of the cards and each one as I collected them I read each one each separate way of saying I'm sorry for your loss for it is hard to lose one who added so much for he was a good man a good father and a good friend from all of us who worked with her and whose lives she touched, he was a friend and companion, and I will miss seeing you two walking each morning together. And I just, I love Mira so much. I mean, this is so beautiful. Like a beautiful display of empathy, like, and compassion. She's writing these, I'm sorry for your lost cards for every single scenario. It's like she is really thinking about everybody and every kind of pain like dead ex-husbands dead co-workers you know it's like those kinds of things you think not too much about unfortunately being in the restaurant industry and um the kind of the the lives that people live who work in the restaurant industry and the um drug and alcohol problem i've seen a lot of co-workers die and it's it's like something you don't really ever think about. You're just like, oh, your coworker died? Bummer. But it actually does fucking suck, dude. Like, any kind yeah. of loss is really difficult. And, and and dead dogs don't even get me started. My sweet Al passed away last year, and it sent me into a full spiral. Yeah, I just think that's so beautiful. Like, Mira is such a beautiful person with such a big heart, and I just, yeah. I just love her. I just want to hold her in my hand and give her a little kiss. I know. She really... It's just like such a pure soul. And it makes me so sad that all these people in this town, not everyone, obviously, she does have, you know, some friends and, and some allies, but the most people in this town, like, don't see like what an absolute pure, wonderful person she is. And that just yeah makes me really sad. And yeah, I think, you know, as much as, you know, we kind of make fun of like a lot of times in restaurants, people will be like, you know, I spend more time with these people than my family. And I like hate when people say it all the time and like a pre-shift, but it is true. Like you do spend so much time with these people, even if they're people that you don't necessarily or find think that you're super close with. It is really sad when someone passes away that you did see literally on the regular and you're like, Oh wow. Like this person was such a part of my life and I didn't even realize it. Like that's just, it's really crazy. And then at the end of this chapter, we see like, a little we see kiki again on the tv talking about her her european excursion she's going on and she's kind of explaining like 
that she wants women to become a butterfly. They're caterpillars and she wants them to become a butterfly. And, and by that, she means these women are fat and I want them to be skinny. And once they're skinny, they'll have everything that they want and need and all their problems will be solved. And it's, it's, I mean, we're seeing that that's not true. I mean, it seems like Mira is living her best life and she's not thin. And Coley even says that I've been a caterpillar for so long. And although I've shed my cocoon and losing my fat, my coat in the years that led me here, I wasn't a butterfly yet. For now, all I could do was stand on the ground and look up at the sky, not quite ready to leap and rise. And so, yeah, because yeah. Gia has very bad well i mean she's selling herself she's selling her company she's selling her whole thing i guess that's what you have to do when you're doing something stupid like that <laughs> yeah i kind of be like kiki what if people are happy being caterpillars what about that kiki right. what's wrong with caterpillars they're pretty freaking cool yeah you know why you're gonna... very important to the ecosystem i'm sure i have no I idea if that's butterfly. true i mean yes i guess in this analogy literally Caterpillars will inevitably become butterflies, but that's not the point. <laughs> the point is caterpillars are cool in their own right. Ain't nothing wrong with them. Here we are. Chapter eight. Um, basically, we started off as the weeks passed. I got so raised to being with Mira in public. The bike didn't bother me much anymore or the clothes unless she was really suited up, which was rare enough that it was ultimately unavoidable. Uh, or avoidable, sorry, not unaffordable. Um, so we're kind of getting a little bit more used to going out with Mira, which I think is a good thing. She talks, though, at the end of the page 101, she says, but there are nights after she'd gone upstairs with Cat Norman under her arm, when I'd seen the line of light under her bedroom door, I pictured her sitting on the bed, hearing those voices again in her head the way I still heard mine. If Mira was anything like me, she could only keep them out for so long. I knew it was always late at night when everything and everyone else was quiet, that those voices would rise like ghosts, soft and haunting, filling your mind until sleep finally came. Which, first of all, uh, hi, literally what the Outlook Nights is about. Again, give back to a shout out to our girl Taylor Swift. But yes, <laughs> that is so accurate. And again, like we were saying earlier, we don't know mirrors in her dialogue. So for all we know, She's good at faking it till you make it, but maybe, yeah, I mean, she might lay up, you know, at night letting these things get to her. And it, it is, I think we all do that, um, which, yeah, there are certain nights where I'm just like really stressed out about something or I'm just overthinking or just like feeling anxious for literally no good reason. And yeah, I mean, we talked on the podcast before about the voices of the high school girls we you know went with went to school with or whatever and there will be things literally from like a decade ago or longer mm -hmm. than that that'll just creep into my head and keep me up at night and I'm like why am I thinking about this the, whoever said mm -hmm. that to me certainly isn't thinking about this anymore like none of these things matter but no matter how long you try to keep them at bay they always just creep into your little head yeah, I wrote right away at the beginning of this chapter, I will fight anyone. I will fight any one of these people. And then at one point, there's a guy who's like, oh, the church bazaar is coming up. I'm sure we can count on you to be a star customer, can't we? And it's like, what is that a bad thing? Isn't the point of right. the church bazaar to raise money for the freaking church? Do you want money or not? Do you want money or not, sir? 
And then somebody says, my goodness, Mira Sparks certainly likes those sweets, doesn't she? And it shows. And I wrote, eat glass. <laughs> fair. That's a fair comment. Uh, mm, we're not entering the week the 4th of July. We're getting into work, which we're getting into some real Morgan, Mark, mm -hmm. Isabel moments here. But I also just want to quickly point out, Sarah Dessen just loves the 4th of July, I feel like, because it's definitely like things are always coming to a head on the 4th of July. The 4th of July is in a lot of books. I guess it's because a lot of her books take place during summer, but she just yeah. loves the 4th of July. And this is where I'm going to admit, I it's not like my favorite holiday because obviously not, but it it is funny to me because I'm like very critical. <laughs> the United States of America, like literally 99.9% .9 of the time. But on the 4th of July, I'm just like, let's go throw some effing tea in the harbor. Suck it, British. At least we're not you. Oh, America. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, yeah. I, don't know why. I don't know why that comes out in me. But yeah, I'm like, let freedom ring, bitches. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And the rest yeah. of the year, I'm like, this country is a hellhole. <laughs> yep. I know, but then it's like, or it's like anytime a British person says something to you that's negative about America, and you're just like, Let's talk about how you still have a monarchy. Okay, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's like, talk about Princess Diana. Oh, you want to talk about oh, Princess Di? Do you want to talk you about that? Talk? British person? Do you also if we have any British listeners? I'm sure you're lovely. But, yeah, but, I have um, a friend in England. I love you guys, but you know, a, a lot of you are great. Uh, I, I like desperately want to go to England and visit. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, just Thanks. like sometimes I'm like. Oh, are you really? Are you judging us? Are you judging us? Okay, original colonizers, go off, I guess, though. Like, <laughs> why do you think we're here? Why do you think we're here in this? It's because of you. No, you all start. It all goes back to you. <sighs> Jeez. But yeah. Your goddamn queen who married her cousin. Her oh. Nazi cousin. Like, don't even get me started. <laughs> one of my hyperfixations was the royal family at one point because, and it still is, it's it's continuing. Princess Diana is my everything. Harry and Meghan are my everything. And I I'm so fight. excited for the Netflix docu-series. Oh, gonna I'm going to eat that shit up. And I'm going to read his book cover to oh, cover. Yeah. I'm buying that oh, shit. Oh, yeah. But anyway. But yeah. Anyways, 4th of July. Big Sarah Dessenism. Sets. things like big important things big climaxes in these novels i feel like just always around the fourth of july so it's something i wanted to point out but yeah basically mark has called he's coming home tonight for the weekend morgan is pumped isabel of course is being a little bit more realistic about it and knows that this is yeah. probably not going to end well and is you know being maybe not like the nicest supported friend but she's she's been here before she's seen this movie she knows how it ends and she's a little over it which i don't blame her for yeah and i wrote on page 104 i was like we've all been morgan and we've all been isabel oh yeah oh yeah big big time Ugh, big time <laughs> yeah, yeah it was just it, like i can sympathize with both of them but i feel like and the next couple of chapters, I actually was like, yeah, Isabel, I feel you. <laughs> uh, we got to see, you know, the truth about Mark. Um, he's coming in this weekend and Isabel starts to drop a couple bombs. He's, she's like, um, did he apologize for not showing up last time without calling you? Um, did you guys talk about how? Nope, that comes later. 
he just said did he talk explain why he didn't um come last time basically we get a little bit more tea later i thought this was when we got the tea but we do not yeah it's like she's brewing the tea right now she's mm -hmm. not gonna spill it until a mm -hmm. little bit later on down the road but yeah she goes to leave and norman gives her a pair of sunglasses i believe oh. at the end. oh yeah, yeah and she's like again because she's coldly about it and she's like uh she's like she's nice to him but it's yeah um so right i think I I yeah she's nice that. to him but she's like cold because she yeah. is nervous that he's just doing this to like get in her pants and totally relatable like i did not know how to do anything with boys like i was either their best friend or i was just like mean to them for no reason it's like you, it's <laughs> like you just don't you're 15 you're like what am i doing yeah is this? and and so yeah because so basically on the next page which there's a bit i want to get into but she's kind of having a conversation with isabel because isabel of course is kind of like kicked out of the house because maureen is taking it over to have this romantic reunion with mark and so she's like, oh, like, I like your glasses. Like, Norman must like you. And Coley kind of freezes. And she's like, oh, no, like, like, just, you know, like, not like, like you, like you. Like, he just is picky about people. And if he gave you glasses, like, it's a good thing. Like, don't take it as a he wants to get in your pants kind of thing. But to back up, just wanted to, like, finish that point about Norman and the glasses. But to back up a little bit, I really like this bit on page 108 where Isabel is talking about uh, basically Morgan with Mark. And she says, he's the only one who's ever told her she was beautiful, Isabel said. And she's afraid she'll never hear it from anyone else. And isn't that the problem? Yep. Every, yeah. uh, every woman out there, I think, yeah, just yeah. goes through a relationship where they don't have enough respect for themselves. And they think that they deserve you know, to be treated this way, or they really think that this is the best they can get. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm going to stay with him because he was nice to me once. And what if no one's mm -hmm. ever nice to me ever again? And it's like, no, <laughs> like, yeah. no, there, there are people that are going to treat you so much better out there. Like, ugh, yeah. 100%. We're going to get more into emotional abuse and dreamland, of course. Um, but that Ooh, is yeah. kind of like the thing. It's like the you know, you remember there has to be a couple good times because that's what the that's what they use to fall back mm -hmm. on. They're like, and then you get stuck in that pattern of like, well, there was that one good time. So even though there's 17 bad ones in between, like there was a time when it was good. And you're just like constantly using that as justification to stay in that relationship. And so. mm -hmm. oh, bless ah. you, Mike, again. Mike sneeze. Here we go. She's trying to Mike sneeze count on this podcast. Oh, you should. Love you, oh, Mike sneeze. So yeah. So this at the, it's the end of this chapter that Isabel and Coley kind of have their little about the fact that she was like, oh, I'm sure like everything was so great for you in high school, and Isabel's like, you don't know anything. So yeah, I'm definitely getting that Isabel did not have the easiest time in in high school. Yep. Yeah. She also. Well, actually, we're not there yet, so I need to shut my mouth. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and then on 110, she says, it's so, so stupid. She added softly what we do to ourselves because we're afraid. It's so stupid. And she kept her head turned as if I wasn't even there. And it's like, yep. <laughs> Facts. 
Facts. You can like ruin so many things because you're afraid or not take chances because you're afraid. And it's like, who cares? But then Mark does end up showing up like six hours late. Mm-hmm. Chapter nine, the next morning, the real 4th of July. Here we go. We're getting into it. So there's a lot of good things uh, here. Basically, we start, Coley is heading out to head into the last chance. She happens to pass by. She's kind of starting to realize she was sort of a dick to Norman, who wasn't trying to get in her pants. He was honestly just trying to give her sunglasses to be a nice guy. Mm -hmm. So I think she's kind of feeling some remorse about that. She passes by um, his, you know, room, the door's ajar. So she wanted to, like, you know, thank him. But he is asleep, and of course he's like sleeping shirtless, and she has a little like ooh moment, mm-hmm. and then uh, so I'm like okay, Coley, um, <laughs> and then so yeah, so Coley's just like she's kind of having a moment, and she's thinking about what Isabel said about like what we do ourselves because we're afraid, and I think like a lot of people, she you know is like okay, she says she wants to to talk to someone who she sees as as mostly freeless, so she thinks of fearless. <laughs> So she calls her mom and, you know, at first it's like small talk. She doesn't get into like the crux of what she's really calling for. But then finally she kind of breaks down. And of course her mother is like, I'll send my assistant, which of course they have, you know, she has an Emily Gilmore moment of like, oh, this one didn't last that long. And, but she's like, I'll send my assistant home and you can go home. Like her solution to this isn't like, oh my God, my poor sister has to deal with these people treating her like crap. It's like, I don't want my daughter to have to stay. Like, I don't know. It was very strange. It was very Um, strange. But yeah, but then Coley's like, no, no, you're not listening to me. Like, I want to stay here. I like Aunt Mira. I want to be with Aunt Mira. Like that wasn't the point of the conversation. And so yeah, it's kind of like you know, nothing's really kind of getting done at first, but then she kind of says something about, like, she asks her, um, were you always so brave? And then her mom basically kind of tells her, here she says, I think that losing the weight was a big part of it. Me starting to be unafraid, which like, it's terrible, but okay. But more, I think it was when other people really started to believe in me. All those women who looked to me to be strong and capable for them to show them the way. So I faked it. Um, so yeah, so she kind of just has this whole thing about like sort of faking it until you make it. And then one day, like you kind of believe in yourself kind of thing, which I was like, that's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I agree with you that I also wrote in the margins, like it's strange that her first reaction was to just be like, okay, well, let's just get you out of there. Like who gives a yeah. shit about Mira and what she's going through? Like, just why don't you just go home to an empty house with this assistant you don't know? And then I do really dislike that she says, I think that being brave and self-confident doesn't necessarily start inside. It starts with the rest of the world and it leads back to you. That's terrible advice. Yeah. That's terrible advice. Real, real yikes advice there, mom. Like, no, it absolutely starts inside. Like, you have to not give a shit about what other people think, actually, and just be true to yourself. If you're constantly looking for external validation, you're never going to be truly happy. And then I love the juxtaposition of she has this conversation with her mom where her mom is basically giving her terrible advice. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, God, no, 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 no. Do not listen to Kiki Sparks. And then she essentially has a completely opposite conversation with Mira. Again, we start with, you know, she's doing the horoscope. She's getting into astrology stuff. And then 
she basically asked me, or like, what else could you possibly need at the bazaar? Because her entire house is filled with things that in Coley's mind are it's junk. Like it's useless. It doesn't work properly. She has to write all these notes to tell you to jiggle this and turn this up to 11 and you know, all this kind of stuff. And um, Mira basically says, I mean, perfect is a lot to expect from something, right? We all have our faults. And so Coley's like, it's not about us. It's a toaster. Like it's just stuff, you know? <laughs> And so she's like, basically, she says, like, I just saw this entire part, like the end of 118, it's like halfway through 119. But she's like, it doesn't matter. She sat back in her chair. If something doesn't work exactly right, or maybe needs some special treatment, you don't just throw it away. Everything can be fully operational all the time. Sometimes we need to have the patience to get something the little nudge it needs. To jiggle 11, I said, exactly, she said, pointing at me with her spoon. See, Coley, it's about understanding. We're all worth something. Which it's like, Yes, again, when Mira is the best. Like, mm-hmm. I love that. Like, I love that to her, it's not junk. Like, no, nothing is perfect. No one is perfect. That literally is a lot to expect out of anyone or anything. And her philosophy is that we're all worth something. And that is so much more advice, better advice, and so much more like attainable advice. Like, I think I needed to hear that, you know, like, like today and every day I need to hear like, we're all worth something because yeah, like some days, like you do feel really worthless and, you know, just, just existing, like you're, you are worth something. You don't have to be, you know, like your best or your greatest or whatever, like you just being there faults and all, like, you know, you are worth something. And I think that that is excellent advice for Mira. And I love that it literally comes right after her mom basically is like, well, I lost some weight and people believed in me. So I started believing in me. And you're like, oh, Kiki. (laughs) So bless Mira for coming in with some like actual good life advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She says, for Mira, there were no lost causes. Everything and everyone had its purpose. The rest of the world too often might have missed that. And it's like. Yeah, that's our girl. That's our girl, Mira. Our girl. God, we love Mira. Mira is like slowly climbing her wits. Like her and Scarlet. There's just one character book that I'm just like, bless you for existing, even though you are technically a fictional person. But like, bless Sarah Dustin for writing you and saying like exactly what I needed to hear. So Mm -hmm. bless that. I know I need to like write that whole paragraph down and like keep it on my desk. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, we get to the next scene I love, <laughs> which is the deviled egg scene. And this is the most, you know, I, I've, I've taken to liking Norman so far, but this is the moment where I think I fell a little bit in love with Norman. And if you don't love Norman a little bit after this scene, like, explain to me how, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so essentially, Morgan comes in with deviled eggs, and Isabella had kind of warned Coley, like, she's going to come in with deviled eggs. This is what she does. Mark upsets her. Like, this is her pattern. This is what always happens. And so she comes in, and Coley's like, oh, it's just a little funny because you brought, you know, deviled eggs and whatever. And Norman is just like, are those deviled eggs? All surprised. And then he, like, takes, he picks one out perfectly and, like, takes it over, and he's like, want to savor it. And Morgan says, um basically sweet norman always just acts so surprised to see the eggs and please and he never once has ever acted like he knew what they meant and it's like you know that he does and everyone else she works with is like oh she made deviled eggs because her and mark are having a thing and norman's just like oh you 
crab scrambled eggs. Oh, how nice. Oh, I'm going to go savor it. Oh, it's going to be so good. And I'm like, bless him for mm-hmm. doing that. So and that he just like just holds so it in his little hand. He's yeah. like, oh, it's so cute. Yeah, I was like, Norman. Norman, bless you. I was getting some big Cameron vibes from yes. someone like you. Like how we just like loved Cameron. That was such a Cameron move. And I was like, oh, Norman, you're a sweet boy too. That's very nice of you. So that's very, cute. very nice. And then essentially, this is where they decide. Oh, yeah. Isabel comes into work and she's like, what did you do to your bangs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I cut them. Uh, she's crying. Again, we've all been there when like someone is just like crying in the service station and you're like, oh, God. It's me. So, yeah. So Isabel's <laughs> like, don't worry about it. We'll fix it. And then apparently they finally got their Columbia CD package in. So that's exciting. And they decided that that they're going to have a chick night. So basically, they're finishing up their shift, and they're going to have a chick night. Um, And then that's when they decide, well, uh, Morgan is explaining how they're going to basically dance it out to some disco and, like, have a fun little girls' night. And um, this is where we learn a super heartbreaking story about how Coley doesn't dance and why she doesn't dance. Mm-hmm. And this whole bit about the Oreos absolutely mm-hmm. crushed me because this is unfortunately so true to life and just like really depresses me that as young as elementary school, girls are already feeling like they're fat and are already hating their bodies. And that just makes me so sad. But yeah, she basically discusses how she binge she like one day when she was in elementary school she came um home and she basically binge ate some oreos and then like threw them all up and that just really depresses me and i like wanted to cry because so sadly there are many girls as young as elementary school age that are already doing things like that because because society is awful and makes them feel awful about their bodies and that's just really shitty there's no other way to say that i wish i had something else to say but all i have to say is it just makes me really sad and it hurts my heart yeah um but yeah then she talks about how basically how she never touched an oreo again um i can honestly not be even be in a room with one and then she says i feel the same way about dancing which is when we get to learn about the fall harvest dance which again this just made me so sad because she's talking about like you know, the outfit that her mom helped pick her out and how she, you know, even let her wear a little bit of makeup that night and she dropped her off in the cool spot where everyone else had to be dropped off. So it just looked like you were walking out of the woods and she was feeling herself and she was going to dance. And then basically everyone is making fun of her and she was left out there dancing by herself and just the way that Sarah Dustin wrote this, the whole thing, like I just, the entire paragraph about like, them picking out the outfit like it just it's so real and you just know that so many preaching girls have lived this moment and it just like it's heartbreaking like she was excited about this thing and it just completely ruined dancing which is just like you know a silly fun thing that every kid every person should you know feel comfortable dancing and she can't because of this moment yeah yeah, this was a really tough scene to read, um, beautifully written, but 
Uh, you can really feel Coley in that moment too, like kind of starting to get comfortable and starting to feel really positive and being like, yes, this is maybe this will work out. And then, and then it doesn't, it's like the worst worst case scenario. Chapter 10. Yes. We get into the chick night. So we're going to, we're going to bring up the, the mood for a very brief moment before it all comes crashing back down basically. Cause we're going to get real full boys and stuff. But so yeah, there, you know, there's disco going on. They've got Diet Coke. They've got Cosmo. Second time coming up today. They've got Cosmo. They've got face masks. Um, Morgan has got some cigarettes, which Isabel yells at her for because obviously they are very bad for you. And Morgan is like, well, you know, I'm just having a time. Okay. Like lay off of me. And then this is basically the whole, oh, the whole thing. They talk about how Coley like eats really healthy and she runs every morning and they're like, well, if, you know, Kiki Sparks was your mother, like, I guess you'd have to. And it's like, yeah. And also because she is so ridiculously self-conscious about herself because her mother made her lose 45 pounds when she shouldn't have. And just, uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> like, don't compliment her on these things, please. They're not good. <laughs> recognize the warning signs here with this girl. Like, this is a problem. Uh, we at least here learn, because we were saying the other day we were confused on their age. We at least know that they are legal because Morgan is saying that she's underage, which is why she can't offer her beer. So we know that they're at least over 21. Still vague, still kind of confused at exactly how old the two of them are. I love that these like 21 year old BFFs like brought this 15 year old girl like into their circle and they were like, hey, yeah, here's some friends. Took her on her wings. Also, it's fucking disgusting to me that at one point Morgan is alternating between eating deviled eggs and sucking on an atomic fireball. Oh, I know. Do you have no taste buds? That is like, seriously, foul. what is going on with your taste buds, girl? That is just not right. So then, of course, she starts doing the thing that all people do in toxic, abusive relationships where they start making excuses for the person and, you know, they're just regurgitating the things that they've heard from their partner that they say to gaslight them. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about how, like, I I underlined a part on page 134 and literally just wrote, oh, I was so annoyed. But she was like, whatever, Isabel said. The green stuff on her face, which I had finally figured out was some kind of beauty mask, was hardening and forming tiny cracks whenever she spoke. And the last thing he needs when he finally gets a chance to see me is to be bombarded with details about the wedding and our future. It's no wonder he gets so irritated when I bug him about it. Mm-mm. Ugh, like girl and you know she is just regurgitating these things that he has said to her and she sits there and she thinks about it and she's like again like you were saying earlier she thinks about the good times and he's good to her and she's the problem like it's her she if she wouldn't have been so loud if she wouldn't be so this if she wouldn't be whatever um she's just she was pestering him he was tired she should have never done that and i'm just like Oh, girl, girl, we're going to say it. We're going to say our line. Run. Run. Please run. No, this is not right. This is toxic. Mm -hmm. And then this is when the tea spills. Yeah. Which I love that Isabel starts off with. Don't forget how upset you were this morning. Yes. 
Exactly. Yes. Like you were upset, got to be right to be upset. And now you sat there and you thought about it and his little voice has crept into your mind and you're going to make excuses for him. And this is where, yeah, Isabel basically just like spills the tea. <laughs> mm-hmm. She does. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mark calls to apologize, which of course he does. Mm-hmm. And Morgan's like, I know how busy you are. And Isabel starts kind of yelling things in the background, which like, again, we've all been that friend. Like, but she's like, ask him why he'll never give you a number where you can reach him. Shady. She only calls, he only calls you once a week. Shady. Um, apparently there was a girl in his room in Wilson when Morgan went to go surprise him mm-hmm. that ended up being a sex worker, which is like, and like what I wrote here in the, in the margins is like, what's the point of proposing to her? Like, right. Just not single. Like it seems like a strange choice on your part, Mark. Right. Is he just doing this because it's guaranteed sex, but it's like a sex worker is also guaranteed sex. So like yeah. what? what is the like it's just like a very strange yeah what's your angle here man like yeah minor league baseball players don't make buku bucks so maybe he can't always pay for sex workers and he's like well the other one will be around but i mean clearly has enough money to pay for him sometimes so you know like i'm just saying what's your angle just i think i mean i guess some people just like having control over someone you know like is it that i don't even but he like doesn't seem to want her around and this whole time i was telling myself she was not a stripper she was like a i thought i don't know what she was a stripper so like technically he might not even have paid her she might have just he might just be like full-blown had like seduced this girl at a strip club and brought her home but yeah yeah i guess actually she may have not been paid for her services on second thought wow Wow, wow, wow. What a piece of shit. Guy. He's pretty, I mean, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. So uh, basically, Isabel's kind of spelling, spilling the tea about all the, like, really <laughs> shitty stuff that this guy does. And then she turns to Coley and she says, that girl, she said in the same loud voice, wants to be her. And I am so sick of standing by and watching her do it. And I highlighted that part because, like we were saying earlier, we've all been Morgan and we've all been Isabel. And it is, like... basically toxic relationships must like much like addiction there's only so much tough love and so much someone else can say like people are only going to get help when they want to get help when they finally wake up one day and are like oh i don't want to do this anymore whatever you know the toxic thing that is hurting them is you know um because again abuse much like addiction it's it's not the the person's fault, you know, like addiction is a sickness and abuse is you're the victim. Like they, you are the victim. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's not like that perfectly clear first and and foremost, but again, like there's only so much from the outside perspective you can do. And so part of me is like that. It's sad, but like, that's how she thinks of it is like, she wants to be hurt. And it's like, no, she doesn't. No one wants to be hurt. But I also having been the Isabel, get it like I'm so sick of standing by and watching her do it she's like I have said my piece I say my piece all the time she never listens to me she's not gonna stop doing this until she decides to stop doing it or until Mark inevitably ends it either or you know and there is only so much you can do as the friend and it is it is very taxing being that friend and we've all been that friend and it is frustrating and you know no matter what you say they're not gonna listen to you you know there's so many times I have been 
in friendships where literally for months at a time, it's not a friendship because that person is in a really toxic relationship and I don't want to lose that friend. And I feel for that friend. And as someone who's been in a toxic relationship before, you know, I want to see them through it, but inevitably you almost kind of have to look out for yourself because if every time you're going and seeing this person and all they're doing is crying to you about the same thing and you've given them advice and you've told them and they're not listening, then you just have to be like, okay, I realize you're going to have to have this wake up call on your own and there's nothing else I can do for you. And sometimes like you do just kind of have to remove yourself from the situation because it is super painful watching someone that you deeply care about go through a really bad situation, you know? Yeah. But yeah, then they start screaming at each other. Um, and then Isabel storms outside and Morgan goes, goes storms in the bathroom. And then Coley is just kind of like standing there like um, this shit is drying on my face. What do I do? Yeah. So she like goes into the bathroom and Morgan's obviously been crying. And, you know, Morgan continues to try to defend Mark saying, I love him so much. Isabel is just wrong about him. I would know if he wasn't the one. I mean, I'd have to know, right? It's like, I don't know, Morgan. You? you Look deep down, baby girl. Yeah, Follow your deep, gut. Deep down. I love this whole part about his batting average, though. And, <laughs> yeah, like how he's really a funny. shitty baseball player. And I love that Morgan's just like, he doesn't even lead the team in errors anymore. I literally wrote by that hysterical yeah <laughs> like i just thought that like all this is like very serious and then they just get into like some real petty shit for a minute and are just like he's a terrible baseball player on top of everything else <laughs> yep oh that's so good oh yeah this is also when we find out that i think this is when we find out that um isabel never really had any friends until morgan so we're seeing more of like kind of a hint that isabel might be more like holy than she realizes everyone sarah dustin inception as we are sitting here recording a podcast talking for two hours about a sarah dustin novel my friend just sent me uh on instagram one of her stories which also i thought that she sent me that like i wouldn't see it but like that you know what the true Thank friends you. send you sarah Dessen instagram stories so i was like oh my god that's so funny that i'm like yeah girl i'll check that out after i finish recording my podcast where i talk about her book oh. uh, <laughs> uh so yeah so basically to Coley's talking to Morgan and it's kind of like sticking for Isabel, which I think is fair and trying to like smooth things over. And then essentially Isabel out in the living room is kind of doing the same thing. And she puts on, I will survive. And they kind of are singing back to each other and kind of smoothing things over and they go out there. And then Coley basically just keeps, you know, putting her foot down and being like, I don't dance. And she's, basically trying to remove herself from the situation. She's like trying to leave and they call her back and they're kind of just like, you know, whatever. Like, if you don't want to dance, don't dance. Like, it's fine. We got to get ready to go out. And Coley's kind of like, go out. <laughs> yeah. I thought this was the night. And they're like, you've never had a chick night, have you? Uh, and so basically the chapter ends with, well, hurry up. Morgan scolded me and shut the door. We have work to do. And boy, do they. Morgan's got some soul searching to do. Isabel probably needs to work on being a little kinder sometimes, but I do feel for her. Um, but yeah, I, I I do love that these two 20-something-year-olds have like, they're like, 
took her under their wing. Um, I also just want to backtrack real quick because I thought this was a, a good way to to end it. Um, when Isabel says, all the bitchy girls in the world are just a training ground for what men can do to y'all. Mm. Girl, preach. Ain't mm-hmm. that the truth? I have never understood. We talk a lot on this podcast about the importance of female friendships. And I have literally never understood. And again, there are bitchy girls out there and bitchy girls can tear you down. Do not get me wrong. But I just have never understood girls that are like, I can only be friends with boys because girls are too much drama. And it's like, no, (laughs) I have not found that to be the case in my life. But okay. But yeah, the things things men can do to you. Yeah. Yeah. I I hate that shit. I'm like one of the guys. Like, t- yeah. what? Come on, stop! Shut, like, shut the fuck up. Be one of the girls. For the love of God, honestly, Ugh, that's the worst. But it's cringe. It's very cringe. Don't get it. It's but hey, whatever. But that—that's where we leave us tonight with the ladies getting ready for their chick night. And when I was in my early twenties. At 9.45 p.m. on a Saturday, I would also be starting to get ready for my night out. But I'm in my 30s, so I'm going to go to bed. Yeah, same. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're recording kind of late. <laughs> it's Saturday night, y'all. And both of us were like, well, this was our, this was our evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was my big thing of the evening, recording this. And now I just get to, I get to go to bed. But I'm very excited to finish keeping the moon. We still have not heard your server rant. Should we save it for the finale? Or do you want to end this episode with the rant? Let me tell the story right now. All right. That's it. Yeah. The anticipation is building. We got to, we got to get it out. So um, you guys know what my name is. You guys see that it's spelled kind of differently. It's a unique name, whatever. Okay. I get a lot, a lot, a lot of comments about my name all the time. It's like never ending. But one time I had a table of middle-aged men. They were like, oh, how, how do you pronounce your name? And I said, oh, Michael Ann. And they were like, oh, Michael Ann, that's so interesting. And then one of the guys with his legs crossed and his hands looking like a pretentious rich asshole was like, no, how do you pronounce your name? And I said, Michael Ann. And he said, no, no, no. How do your parents pronounce your name? Oh, fuck off. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would have wanted to slap. You can't, but I would have wanted to slap him. I just like, as you know, I can do a pretty good bitch face. Um, I can make people feel dumb with my eyes. I am from Boston. <laughs> it's just, it's a talent. And so I just like stared at him for a second and I was like, Michael Ann. They pronounce it Michael Ann. And then he ended up giving me a shitty tip because he saw me starting my side work and he was like, you weren't paying attention to us. And I was like, fuck you. Yeah, you are I wasn't the paying attention to you world. for a reason. Because you're a dick. Yeah. Because you literally have the audacity to ask, like, tell me that I don't know how to pronounce my own name and you ask me how other people... Mm, He's it's like, fine. no, no, how do your parents pronounce it? I'm like... What the fuck are the, you talking the about? The same way I just pronounced it. Because why? I, I'm glad that you're telling me that I'm wrong in the pronunciation yeah. of my own name. That's cool, yeah. sir. Thank you so much. Really oh appreciate my God. it. I also think it's the weirdest thing when people get mad about, like, servers doing side work. Like, that that mm-hmm. happens a lot. They'll be like, if you're paying attention to me. I could tell you want to get out of here. And it's like, 
yeah, you have a job. Do you want to stay there forever too? No. Like when the day is done, you want to get out of there. So sorry that I, again, I don't like ignore people. I mean, that man deserved to be ignored. But yes. sometimes when people are like, I felt ignored. I'm like, I'm sorry that I wasn't just like sitting at your table and not doing anything else. But yeah, I do have to go get ice and glasses and take care of 10 other people right now. Yeah. Sorry that the world does not revolve around you. Yeah. And this guy obviously thought it did. He obviously yeah. thought it did. I mean, um, clearly. I've clearly. had a lot of really good experiences too that we can t- we can talk about some of our experiences, good and bad, in the next episode. Yeah. But that's just a uh, little hors d'oeuvre. Oh my God, I cannot pronounce that word. I think that was, I thought that sounded uh, good. Hors d'oeuvre. Hors d'oeuvre. Yeah. Uh, or, that sounded good to me. I had to pick them out. I had to pick them out for my wedding and everyone kept trying to like help me pronounce it. And I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Apparently I can't pronounce Minneapolis. My mom keeps telling me I'm pronouncing it wrong. Or I don't know. Maybe I pronounced it okay there. I'm not sure. You but did. she's like, how do you say that? And I'm like, I don't I th- I thought that was the only way to say it. Uh so I feel you on the orders. Orders? Yeah, no. the more yeah, you yeah, say yeah. it, the more it does not sound right. Like it sounds like a fake word. All words are essentially. But yeah, everyone come back next week for the grandchild keeping the moon. Yeah, I'm gonna try to think of some good, some good positive serving stories because I actually I have a really good one, one that kind of came up sort of recently. Um, I have some good ones, and then I'll come up maybe with a couple of juicy ones as well as we this up. So yeah, come back, come back to Colby, come back to the last chance, and thank you. You know we do shit on men a lot (laughs) (laughs) but i would like to thank all the normans out there who Mm -hmm. act surprised when someone brings in deviled eggs and takes them in their little hands and savors it so we salute you norman Mm -hmm. all all the normans out there i think we both got a norman so that's yeah in that regard we got a couple good ones yeah for sure thank you for listening and do all the things like review follow us on instagram join our discord or blog, join our patreon so you can join our discord i kind of did that in reverse as you can tell my clan usually does the call to actions clearly because i'm <laughs> um anyways that's all we got um, <laughs> come, come see you soon <laughs> bye